So, hey, everyone. Thanks for joining in today at Super Soul Solutions Radio for part two with guest Peter Moon. As a quick reminder, part one covered much of the truly amazing, currently working, holographic ET tech archaeology discoveries that were found since, oh, I guess it was around 2003 under the Romanian Sphinx. Peter's Transylvania series books made it possible for me and others in the United States to read about these astounding finds. And really because of Peter's expertise, he was handpicked to be the one to publish and edit Radu Cinemar's writings. So just a very brief uh, encapsulation of part one, so you're not totally lost. These included the discovery of the Grand Hall under the Romanian Sphinx containing extraterrestrial advanced technology with chairs, uh, I remember, for really tall beings who were apparently accessing hybridization viability with other species, among other things. So in this underground facility, there was also found a consciousness time travel chair, three tunnels, with one leading to the long-prophesied Hall of Records under the Giza Plateau in Egypt, and an underground tunnel of gold leading to a room of golden thrones with an active portal to another, I think it was, galactic dimension. So today, Peter will be sharing more amazing explorations of Radu Sinamar, who, remember, is a member of the most secret department of the Romanian Intelligence Service, that is called Department Zero. I love that name because of zero-point energy. Excuse me. The United States Pentagon works in collaboration with Department Zero to have access to the groundbreaking, pun intended, discoveries. Most recently, Peter published two more books about Radu's expeditions called Inside the Earth, about meeting advanced human civilizations there, And the second book, Forgotten Genesis, which is the first time in all my research I have found information in detail explaining and illustrating. I think there's almost 70 elaborate drawings in that book exactly. So it details exactly how multiple extraterrestrial civilizations influence and steer the DNA of humanity in order for us to keep evolving to a higher state. So I was really excited to read that. Peter has been known for his knowledge and investigation of space-time projects that point to secret projects, past, present, and future, that control time and the perception of time. He studied creative writing, literature, Eastern religion, and Western occultism, culminating in forging an association with some of the world's foremost expert scientists in electromagnetic phenomena and secret experiments in time control. So with that being said, welcome back, Peter. Thank you. It's nice to be back with you, Marilee. Thank you. Thank you. So um, there's a lot to cover again, and you did such a great job uh, two weeks ago. So would you mind starting with the uh, talking, however you will, and whatever comes to you about the inner earth discoveries? Well, uh, Radu's book, Inside the Earth, The Second Tunnel, is is a very remarkable book because we've heard stories of the inner earth, the land beyond the poles. These go back to the 
Richard Shaver materials uh, that were published, I think, in the 40s or 50s. They go back to the stories of uh, Admiral Byrd and a host of other stories. There was Jules Verne, uh, Center, mm. The Journey to the Center of the Earth. And, of course, Jules Verne had a very strong connection to Transylvania. He wrote a book called Castle in the Carpathians. He had a wife from Transylvania, and um, it was pursuing some of that legacy that led me to a a dinosaur museum in Transylvania. It's very modest. It's the size of a small house, but it goes back into the the origin of of dragons uh, or... Mm or dinosaurs coming from Transylvania. Uh, as they go eastward, they become venerated into the Chinese who, who look at the dragon as a very uh, powerful entity and a positive entity. In the West, it became demonized, slaying um, mm-hmm. of the dragon. However, uh, but a very rich legacy of inside the, of, of the so-called inner earth. What's remarkable about Radu's book is he gives more explanation, discussion leading to a uh, a deep understanding in ways that the previous literature uh, barely alludes to. It's the the previous literature in in my estimation is is high on hype and doesn't really deliver anything of substance. Um, I agree with that. And I was just so excited. I read it all in one night. <laughs> so, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I wish I could have. Um, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you were able to read it in one night, because translating that book uh, oh. was was hell. It no. was absolute hell. <laughs> I can't even and, imagine. And, and in fact, this book because and it's interesting because uh, the first problem I had was getting the book into my hands getting the book. Uh, and it took, I heard about the book being released. I write to my publisher in Romania and I hear nothing back until finally I get a letter from Radu himself. I have not heard from Radu in like about eight years. He's been silent with me. We had a pretty voluminous correspondence uh, prior to that. And, and, and then he went silent. He says, Oh, what, don't you like the book? Uh, what, what, don't you want to publish it? And I, And I did not tell him, I was too courteous to tell him that uh, the publisher didn't send me the book. How can I I publish it if I don't have the book? And Mm. uh, so even then I didn't get the book because I didn't want to disparage my publisher. And he is a very nice man, and he's been very good to me, but he doesn't always answer his emails, not just with me, with anybody. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know why that is. Uh, I find so that it typic- interference. It wasn't interference. No, no, it's, it's well, it was interference it on an on a on an etheric level, but not on because yeah. he will he will uh, not answer many people that that actually want to do business with him. We well, want to translate your materials, so they come to mm-hmm. me and I send them to him, and sometimes they hear from him, sometimes they don't. Uh, okay. You know, but it's the like it, 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 is you got it. <laughs> you did well, well, no. Well, what happened me. is my in-laws brought the book to me. I didn't oh get it God. from him. My in-laws brought the book to me. And from there, I had to scan every page mm. and and then uh, prepare it 
to send to a translator that I have in Romania who was pregnant, and she couldn't do the book. My wife tried, my wife tried, but she was too busy. She translated mm-hmm. about the introduction and a bit of the first chapter, but she, she just didn't have the time to do it. And she didn't, she couldn't do it into a voice recorder, which is what I was trying to do. Or it just, she wasn't comfortable with it. So do you think two, part of that Peter was divine timing in a certain way? Cause well, it is so well, advanced. Listen, listen to the story. Listen to the mm-hmm. story. So then I, I got it to my, uh, 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 a young girl, I, she was young when I met her, my first friend in Transylvania, I sent it to her. And I said, you think maybe you could translate this? And she volunteered. And she was not a translator. And she did a not a very good job. But mm-hmm. it was something to work with. And I found that by taking, and, and then finally the publisher, and I was struggling with it, finally the publisher sent me all the entire graphics of the book which made that I could produce the graphics because there's a lot of graphics in that book. And he also sent me the original text so I could cut and paste it into Google translate. And I mm-hmm. learned how to translate Romanian this way. And, and then I would use Google translate for some and, and my translators from the other. It was a, it was a, you know, sure. and then, and then with the hard parts, I'd ask my wife and she'd sort out the difficulties because there's a lot of strange expressions that are used and and so, but I got it done, and it was tough, and and it was so hard that uh, when I wrote to Radu, he wanted to see the book. He was more interested in whether I liked the book and what I said before and after the book than he was anything else, uh, you know. And of course, I I liked the book. Uh, I, I had nothing disparaging whatsoever to say about it, uh, and he he was happy with what I wrote. Uh, and I think he, it was that book he gave me an endorsement in of, he says, a lot of people are claiming to be associated with him. No, they're not. He, he mm-hmm. said, I'm the only one that he, that he stands behind. So that, that then, but he said, I said, what he, I told him how hard it was to do this book. And he mm-hmm. said, well, it's interesting because the book I'm working on, I had the same problem with. Uh, and this mm. is the sixth book, which we will discuss as well tonight, Forgotten Genesis. And he, he said that, uh, you know, I guess his mentor, Caesar Brad, uh, said a couple things to him. He, he kind of, he said, Caesar makes fun of me for having the problems. And when I told him you were having the same problem, he, Caesar wanted me to know that my work was appreciated. Um, mm. So it's, uh, it's nice to know that you're known about in, in strange places. Uh, but that's the story. It was very difficult, and I felt that the difficulty was proportional to the amount of in, in, enlightenment that this book gives to the world. And what's Absolutely. particularly important, what's particularly important about this book, is he he goes into uh, the science of the inner earth now, and and he completely dispel, dispels the accepted scientific consensus, which is not scientific at all. It's a consensus of that the the earth's core is you know molten nickel and lead and and it's not this at all according to radu's work and and it's all based on something about the cavendish experiment which is not actually irrelevant when you look at the science of it and it's explained in detail in this book so everybody knows in science that the earth is is solid core of nickel, molten, lead, 
or molten nickel lead. And he said, this is not true. And it's all assumptions. And they don't go beyond this. So he dispels that argument scientifically. And then he begins to discuss how the inside of the earth and the inside of all uh, astronauts astronomical bodies in in heavens come out of black holes and he gives new science to black holes this is way beyond the thinking and of of science and mm-hmm. the whole scientific world uh rejected black holes back in the day from sir arthur eddington sir arthur and this is what i put in i don't mention it in the book i don't think i mention it in my newsletters Sir Arthur Eddington was, you know, the head of what was it called, uh, Newton's chair, in I think mm-hmm. it's Cambridge, and 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 which Stephen Hawking is, was the most famous person to recently hold it. But Sir Arthur Eddington was the one who verified Einstein's theory, general theory of relativity. He he vindicated it. Uh, he he actually un- was one of the few people to understand it. But he vindicated it with astronomical experiments, so he was far ahead of his time. However, he completely rejected the theory of black holes as was presented to him by an Indian science who I cannot pronounce his long name. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not going to say it because I just don't know it, and I, I just don't, can't repeat it. But this Indian scientist was referred to by Sir Arthur Eddington as a yellow nigger. And, oh boy! And so what happened was, the Nazis Jeez. recognized and picked up the science of this this brilliant Indian scientist, and they integrated it into their computer. They invented a computer long before John von Neumann did. Mm-hmm. And these are newsletters I've written and followed up based upon the knowledge imparted to me by Douglas Dietrich, an author that I'm I will be publishing. Uh, soon and basically so the nazis had all this black hole science way ahead of time and this book uh you know corroborates that without even mentioning nazis or anything it's and it even expounds it in even more detail and this knowledge is coming from the tibetan lama uh ripasundi known as also as dr zien in in china and he is the one who put Department Zero together. When this man speaks in the in the the dialogue that Radu has, you see a distinctly different uh, cadence of words, uh, choice of words, and clarity of speech that is just astounding. Especially when he talks science or metaphysics, he's a so you see it's not Radu writing at all. And it's not Radu pretending he's writing; he's he's quoting him. So, so it's really the Tibetan Lama that's that's imparting this knowledge, and he can go into ah. great detail. And and mm-hmm. then uh, it will be corroborated by certain things that Caesar says or Radu's own statements about science. But it's it's basically the Lama that's imparting this knowledge to Radu, and sometimes in the books. He will get uh, some science from the people inside the earth. because So he, he spends a few chapters, uh, one of them debunking the whole flat earth idea, explaining right. that the, the flat earth is what they believed back in the days of Copernicus and Galileo and later Columbus. Uh, right. So uh, 
you know, and, and that people are looking for two dimensions instead of four dimensions. So, so after spending a few chapters debunking the falsities, he begins to talk about going into the inner earth. And, and this is what these tunnels beneath the Sphinx go to. And it, it all is about changing your vibrational frequency. Uh, we vibrate mm-hmm. at a certain frequency in this world. And when somebody like Admiral Byrd goes through a, in an airplane into the North Pole and sees other, you know, greenery and woolly mammoths and this sort of thing, this is explained by a change in vibrational frequency. But it's a change that is not necessarily fully integrated into the being of Admiral Byrd. Uh, in other words, he, 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 he saw beyond the veil, but he saw more than he could handle. Uh, oh, Admiral, yeah. Byrd, Admiral Byrd later had problems. Um, mm-hmm. He had problems, and whatever he saw, he really only alluded to. But mm-hmm. in any case, people that might go into the Bermuda Triangle or wherever and disappear, they're going into another vibrational frequency. And this is um, is a matter of conditioning. It's not dissimilar to going underwater and having to go under deeper slowly, 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 and then coming up slowly, 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 so you don't get the bends. And this is a matter of, you know, that's that's an example of pressure. But vibrational frequency is pressure of another sort it's another dimension and it changes or affects the whole cellular structure of the human body because the human body is going into a into a different experience and being subject to different vibrations than it would out of in, in this ordinary world so this is a whole science of vibration and it's it, it, this is because one once one goes into the inner earth, but at a certain point, well, he explains that the way the whole earth generates is it starts out as ice and eventually turns into water, not necessarily water, not potable water, but also the water there's there's more water inside the earth than there is salt water on the oceans. This has been determined independently from what Radu is saying, but he also says it. So there's water and, and ultimately as you get to the core, you're getting into a different vibrational frequency. So he discusses one city inside the earth that he visits, visits Tamasis and Tamasis is located near the black sea, um, underneath approximately what would be the city of Constanza on the coast of the Black Sea. Uh, I visited a cave that was over this area uh, last summer. And, of course, I didn't go deep into the cave because it was a labyrinth. It was too deep. Uh, You have to go with with a guide. Um, But in any case... Uh, this is an actual city that's in the physical world, in our vibrational frequency, because there's a way for uh, heat 
and flora and fauna to exist in a different uh, framework than what we're used to. It's more limited than our flora and fauna, but it nevertheless exists with people. He visits these people. He also visits uh, another city called Apelos, which is much more advanced and is in a vibrational frequency different than that of the Earth. And we learn, uh, particularly in the, the subsequent book, Forgotten Genesis, that Apelos has, and the other inner Earth cities have contacts above the Earth in Romania, and also other, other inner Earth cities with other contacts in different parts of the world. And they're very discreet, and they remain very, and they have commerce and interchange, is what he's telling us. So there's worlds beyond what they call the surface world. And the surface world is very dangerous to these people. And they keep themselves cordoned off from it because um, you know what the – all you have to do is to take a look at our politics in the world, not just the United States, but the world mm-hmm. and the history of the world, and look at the politics of how – you know, just how the, the world treats indigenous peoples. So there's nothing more indigenous than what's inside the earth. They, they all, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the, you're dealing with a, uh, uh-huh. a human, a part of the human uh, paradigm that is psychotic and destructive. That's not to say all of the human paradigm is psychotic and destructive, but certainly we don't need a, to discuss history to determine this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm even gaining, I, accruing information that would suggest that Christianity, uh, what might be called the quote unquote true Christianity, um, was actually a communication from the inner earth or from another world we can say inside the earth. The Vesica Pisces is the symbol of two spheres interlocking or two worlds interlocking. And in early Christianity, you have a, you know, the other world. They're pointing to the other world, that this world is transitory. And what that gets convoluted to, and in the perhaps more the second and third and fourth centuries, as that this world is evil. So you mm-hmm. don't bathe, you don't enjoy yourself, and anything that is Roman or pagan is evil. And this, this makes existence on the earth plane much more miserable than it needs to be. And that you mm-hmm. subject yourself to abnegation, which means denial, and this is your you know, testament to the other world. And right. In in these times, this doesn't work. I can't mm-hmm. say that it worked in those times, but you have a convolution of anything positive into a religion that makes everybody ultimately miserable and afraid. Yeah, yeah. But let's stick to. I agree, and um, let's stick to the like the more positive things because this is like positive news. So I understand from, um, your research totally dovetails with mine and what I hear of 
you know, whether it's Telos underneath Mount Shasta or whatever, but they have a difficult time not only with the energy frequencies that we emit, but also with the pollution. So, you know, it's, it's a lot. Yes, yeah. exactly. And uh, you mentioned Telos. Uh, the most interesting chapter to me in, in Inside the Earth, the book we're discussing, is Chapter 6, when he goes to Yosemite, which is, of mm. course, southeast of Shasta. And Yosemite is, of course, a national park, and it's right on the mother lode. The mother lode refers to the, the great golden uh, mother lode that the gold rush was a symptom of. The gold rush of eight, 1840s was uh, surface gold. That gold was just stuff that was in the river, stuff that you could mine easily on the surface. The mother lode of California gold has never been tapped, not even close. Mm -hmm. Now, the interesting thing is, the, we talked about it last time, huge gold repositories in Transylvania, which are conducive to superconsciousness because gold conducts electricity uh, better than any other metal. Silver is better than copper, and copper is better than other metals. Mm. So, so, but gold is the best, and it also facilitates uh, consciousness of, of the brain mind. And so if you live around this Any gold, immortality. <laughs> well, yes, they, they, they're, they're, there are offshoots that, that suggest immortality as well. But gold is super mm -hmm. consciousness. Now, all of the gold in the Sierra Madre of California is at least what is controlled by a secret society that is ludicrous and funny on the outside called Eclampus Vitus which is a whole other story I've dedicated a whole uh, chap, uh, volume of my newsletter to. I studied it for six years. But Yosemite points to this, and he goes to a portal in Yosemite. Uh, who's the he? Who's the he? Radu? Radu. Radu okay. with his mentor, Caesar Brad, and they are brought there by the United States uh, military, because they have a portal and they don't know how to deal with it. And because Radu and Caesar are so good at dealing with portals to the inner earth, they are allowed to, or they are invited to come to Yosemite where they go through a portal uh, that's facilitated by the indigenous Miwok people. Uh, and the, this is the only time they've gone through a portal where there's no bells and whistles of all this high technology that they're used to in Romania. This is a pure, I guess what you call esoteric portal, shamanistic portal. And they sort of gets a permission or good graces of the indigenous people to go through where they have an adventure. And Radu uh, ultimately gets to see the city of Shambhala in the inner mm -hmm. earth. And this is perhaps when you talk about positive, this is the most positive energy you can stir up inside of a human being. As I read this chapter, I could resonate with my own internal experiences of, I guess what you would, we all have a part of Shambhala inside of us. And it's a matter of cultivating it and refining it 
and accessing it. And Radu has not been allowed to enter Shambhala at this point. He is allowed to see the city. Just a glimpse of it. Could you and share what what the glimpse was just for the audience so they can imagine that? Well, it, I don't know how to describe it. it. It's just like, you know, it's kind of like if you envision this. What's that from the America the Beautiful? Uh, mm-hmm. Thine alabaster cities gleam, undimmed by human tears. What do you, you, you see, a, you know, something like the Acropolis or something. But it's, mm-hmm. it's I, I can't, it's just a city of magnificence. I don't remember the details. I think I don't beauty have and a lot of nature and, yeah. He's not close I, enough I'm kind to of see the nature. To it too. <laughs> he's not yeah. close enough to see the nature. Okay. He's, he's seeing it from a distance. Like, like, listen, you know, the first time you see the skyline of New York City, or even not the first time, certain vantage points, it's awesome. If you go to a city like uh, Omaha or Tampa, Florida, you'll see a skyline. It, it pales in comparison to New York City. However, you do see something of significance. It stands out. Um, right. San Francisco is very picturesque uh, amongst hills and valleys. You see uh, it's it's just a beautiful scenic scape, and I think any scenic scape you see anywhere of the earth, of the many fine places in the world, uh, you get inspired by just the majesty of it all. I don't think it's really much different than that, except mm-hmm. that it's not of this world, and it's a it's a welcoming place. It's like, see, it's it's less daunting than heaven because heaven at least the way it's been conveyed through Christianity has sort of a you know uh, it can make people feel uncomfortable because it makes you feel like you might not be worthy it, it makes you think of hell uh, mm-hmm. it makes you think you might have to check in all of your human desires at the gate and become neutered I mean, I don't know what people think of heaven, <laughs> but it's often antiseptic. Uh, in Shambhala is a, you, you know, you're not going to have impurities if you go there. However, it's it just seems more appealing to to the human soul, but it's it touches uh, touches something inside of you and saying, "Wow, this other world is." Is there, and that is the message of original Christianity. There is another world. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of heaven is inside of you. Now, exactly. if you want to interpret that uh, and go with it, or if you want to interpret it in, in in the way of a fundamentalist minister, the two different ways to interpret it. But right, it, it's a very positive thing to cultivate in your soul. Now, Radu is given a glimpse. He is then instructed by the guardian that he meets that he will be going to uh, another place in Argentina, uh, in Patagonia. This is at the southern part of Argentina. He does it, and, and sure enough, 
uh, they do end up going to Argentina, and they go through another shamanist, shamanistic portal where he gets a much clo- He goes to another city, which would be the closest city, uh, you know, next to Shambhala, sort of like, you know, you live there in Marin County. It would sort of be like Sausalito. Going mm-hmm. to Sausalito, mm-hmm. which is right north of the Golden Gate Bridge, a beautiful uh, city, and you go there, you don't quite want more beautiful than San Francisco, but that's beside <laughs> the point. It's it's, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it's like the next best thing, or or maybe so, uh, getting to Oakland before San Francisco. But the, right. so anyway, he gets to this city, he gets to experience it, and he gets much closer to Shambhala, and furthermore. Uh, Caesar has been to Shambhala before. So it's like, wow, this is, and, but this is Radu's initiation. Uh, and, and this is, wow, this is inner earth. And you feel after reading this book that you have a connection to this world. And yes. it, it, it's like, wow, this stuff is, is real. And I follow it up with my own journey. Uh, after I translate the book, I actually go there with all of this knowledge, and I mm-hmm. have my own. Uh, I, I I am sort of presented with information. I think I discussed it last time at Chocolamina Cave, where uh, David Anderson's research has determined that there was a great displacement of energy that could only have come from a time reactor two thousand years ago. And 2,000 years ago, in this area, a lot of people disappeared. That's history. And now it appears to me, based upon data presented in this other book, sixth book, Forgotten Genesis, that the people, the civilizations of Troy and, uh, and Mayan civilization facilitated the exodus of people into the inner earth, mass exoduses of people from the surface world in the city of Troy and in the city of Maya, the Mayan civilization, the priests enabled them to escape, many people to escape into the other world. And this was corroborated by my experience in Chaklavina. How else could these people have disappeared? It was right. experiences in, with dreams after having gone into the deep a mile into the cave. So uh, these are, of course, adventures for me to explore in the future when I can return to Romania when this, you know, virus right. nonsense is, is over. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so, so, so th- this, this is the excitement of uh, what's to look forward to. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, I, th- I feel like that's happened so many times, whether it's um, magnetic shifting are at different times when we've almost lost the whole civilization that the, the uh, ones in the know, usually the priest class or different ones, they go inside the earth because there's so many civilizations in there, especially as you know, in the honeycomb of the crust and even different frequencies, but they also met, we've had spacefaring civilizations way before, you know, so as you know, it's not linear. Okay, so that gives us an amazing, so this is both in the physical and then the next kind of a different dimensional frequency that one has to adjust to, which didn't you say um, in the original when the military and guys entered the Grand Hall, uh, 
everyone started going into this kind of altered state of euphoria. And eventually the people that were allowed to enter had to go through preparation vibrationally to be able to even handle that. Was, am I remembering that correct? Well, yes, yes. But initially people who were exposed to some of these fields uh, died uh, horribly, like in the Philadelphia experiment. So right, it's, right. it's now what's interesting to compare this uh, to David Anderson's technology, uh, they've had to basically learn how to acclimate the fields to human experience, uh, you know, how, how to mm-hmm. create technology that so a human being can walk in, in and out of a time warp without discombobulating. It mm-hmm. is very similar to what Radu talks about. Um, I can't compare the two precisely, but it, yes, so it's all about human beings being able to walk between worlds. Worlds, yes, exactly. Which, of course, the indigenous people have done forever, you know, and many, many others. Okay, so that gives the audience a whole like, woo, um, sense of all the things that they're going to be able to find out. It's really fascinating. Let's go um, in the last little bit here. Let's uh, talk about Forgotten Genesis which uh, about the DNA and if you can talk a little bit just you know really simply uh, about uh, the help we were given and then perhaps about the two different uh, experimental shall we say strains of humanity that came forth at the same time do you remember that well well, yes now what's interesting about this book Forgotten Genesis. It, it, this is the one with 70 diagrams and detailed drawings about the history of humankind and the DNA of humankind and how DNA enveloped. He sort of is much what Zachariah Sitchin was fumbling at. He goes into much deeper detail. Uh, Zachariah mm-hmm. Sitchin is, of course, famous for the 12th planet. His books were very hard to read, and mm-hmm. but this is a much more detailed, comprehensive, like from somebody as if somebody who actually knows what they're talking about, rather than reading and interpreting Sumerian tablets. Um, now, which did is what, he get this from the hologram? I mean, yes. Well, I he got remember, it from Radu got yes. it from the crystal headset holographic. That's so correct. Maybe we should explain he, that to the audience yes, a little yeah, bit. Radu, at the after the inside of the Earth, he he's now invited by the civilization of Apelos to come to a place near the Redesat Mountains in uh, Transylvania, southern Transylvania, where he goes to a warehouse, which is an inner Earth civilization, looks like a warehouse on the outside. He goes and he meets somebody, and he's brought in there, and he goes. It literally looks sounds like a sound stage, uh, but he he's put on puts on a headset where he looks at this holographic technology, and he meets people in holographic holographic form. He also has a, a a guide with him, and he is basically learns the history of human DNA, and it's uh, it's in it's like instead of you watching YouTube. It's him mm-hmm. watching uh, a holographic uh, visualizations 
that is contoured to his own mind and intuition. So if he thinks of a question and asks, he can get answers. And, and the holographic representation is interacting with his mind. So this is technology that's facilitated and that he's prepared for. And he basically takes extensive notes and uh, is eventually committed to telling this story forgotten genesis it's the forgotten genesis of the history of mankind and basically he talks about human beings being seated over a long period of time in different circumstances by different alien races and furthermore the way to look at this and i i think this is his own description but if you look at a forest in nature and you look at a human beings planting a forest, human beings planting a forest will let nature happen faster than it would otherwise. So in mm -hmm. other words, just because humans plant the forest doesn't mean it's not nature. It just facilitates the interaction. Now, the whole trick in, in this book is, is to promote diversity. Life likes diversity rather yeah. than be sterile. And a clear example is if you see, if a royal bloodline keeps becoming, feeding in on itself and becoming too inbred, it becomes stale and sterile. Life right. likes diversity. And so this is all about facilitating diversity, which can include choice. Uh, and so, in other words, you're given certain parameters. Not unlike a computer game. You might have a computer game that gives you certain parameters and rules, things you can do and things you can't do. That's kind of how life is set up to evolve. He goes into the basic theory of Adam and Eve and, and this sort of thing and what it truly represents as opposed to, you know, it's a more, I guess what yeah. you'd say, detailed story. And there are two basic lines. One is, which he calls and explains the ENK line, and also mm -hmm. the ENL line. And the ENL line is the spiritual line, beings that were more aligned with the spirit, a, a body that would be more conducive to going in and out of the body would be more connected to spirit, whereas a physical body would be more like a, like a, a worker, more like somebody who's built to, to do manual labor. And, Clydesdale and or, versus a thoroughbred. <laughs> a, well, it, it, in a way, that, that, that's somewhat uh, accurate metaphor, except, the, and, and, and the, and it, but it, it's more aligned with from the time travel or the time machine movie, the Eloy and the Morlocks. Where, yes, exactly. That's what yes. I was remembering when I wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, where the Eloy and, are. And, and, and they both had, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Peter. Well, yeah, yeah the Eloy are more, you know, civilized and more uh, refined and the Morlocks are brute force, but it turns mm -hmm. out that some Morlocks are going to eat the Eloy. It, it gets kind of weird, but the, yeah. and, 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 and this is the one case is that the, the beings the be, will consume uh, the, the lower echelon beings have the capacity to consume or, or annihilate the, higher level beings, which you see in the story of Christianity, the New Testament, mm -hmm. let's destroy the Christ. Um, mm -hmm. That sort of mentality, let's take 
the most noble thing we can find and transmute it and bring it down to our level. Rather, and that's mm-hmm. the whole story uh, and the dilemma of mankind is, you know, pursuing the lowest common denominator rather than, the, you know, the highest possible aspiration. So he goes into a lot of detail, a lot of history um, that he's been fed from this technology. And mm-hmm. as you say, it explained a lot of things to you that I think you said to me, you were the first one I think that wrote in after reading the book and cause you read it when it was released on my website and you said mm-hmm. you've been waiting for this information. I think all your life you said, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Why don't Absolutely. you, why don't it, you it, say a little bit about it? Well, there's so many um, parallels with this in a certain way. Um, of course, the holographic uh, material, you know, the technology is been used in secret projects for a long time. So very similar, also given by ETs. And I can, I think, um, I look at it as they're trying to not polarize. Usually, there's at least three things going on simultaneously, rather than the standard two. And so, I see most terraforming of planets, and especially Earth, that was about diversity, as a combination of evolution, creationism, if you will and genetic overseeing, <laughs> genetic overseeing, experimenting, and, and, and helping terraform. And I loved how they described this, which was a combination uh, of the, the alignment of these huge starships, actual energies of stars, and how that affects DNA. I thought that was fascinating, too. Well, yes, and w- however you want to look at, at this um, concepts that you've just shared here, uh, or anybody else's concepts that that might corroborate or even be different. The bottom line is in the traditional and current human experience um, that the human being is cut off from from this more evolved conceptualization of existence. He's cut off. And he's living a life that is akin to purgatory, where he has to pay the piper. You know, he has to go out and get a job. He's but that's gotta, shifting. That's shifting. Well, well, maybe it is. Yeah. But I'm saying is this is the, cum, the current human paradigm, and it always has been. And one of the beautiful things about Transylvania is that this – uh, part of the world, you have families tilling the soil that these families have been tilling it for thousands and thousands of years. They've never lost the land. It's been, it remained mm-hmm. in the family. So you have beekeeping. It's, it's, it, people know how to keep bees. You, you know, I was learning stuff about keeping bees. I'd never learned anywhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember it all, but I was. connection to the land. Oh yeah, but I mean all the land. In other words, the land is 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 the land it was, and it's it's an unbroken chain of nature. So what I'm saying is, yeah. they're work, they're tilling the soil, they're doing the work, and you see a oneness with nature that you don't possibly see in this world. You you see people with an organic garden 
in in the in the United States, and it's like, hey, they're trying. It's 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 almost you almost have to be condescending towards it, it for, coming from this region because it's like, oh, they're trying to do the right thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, good luck, good luck. And, well, and it's Peter, not to minimize organic gardening in America, but when you right. see it, it's 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 like it's kind of out of place. It's it's uh. You know, we're trying to get it back in, kind of. You know, one of the things I um, we're coming kind of to close your time, but one of the things that uh, I researched after uh, talking to you about Romania and all of that that I had no idea. I watched this special on Romania, and I'm sure you know this already, but for the benefit of the audience, is that Romania has the most wild, like, like wild land, the most in the world. Have you heard of that? Well, Romania is about the, the large- size of it's about the size of Texas. It's it's got a lot of wild land. I mean, I mean, Siberia is huge. Russia is a huge place. Canada is a huge place. I can't. I mean, they've got a lot of wild land up there too. I can't compare uh, these places, uh, but I, I'd say that there's an awful lot of exploration to do in Romania um, yeah. that that I hope I get to explore someday uh, <laughs> in addition to the areas I, I've been to and, and wish to return to. But yes, there's, it, it, it's a remarkable place and it's, it's also sequestered. It's, it's Transylvania in particular is sequestered by mountains. And I will also mm-hmm. say this when my friend Vonda Osmond did planned a tour there. She planned a tour, uh, you know, and I, I introduced her to people to help her. But she, when she organized a tour, she had never run across so many problems trying to make this happen. She oh, didn't make yeah. it happen, and she facilitated wonderful things for me by this journey. But she had never, ever had such difficulty uh, doing a tour, just even making the commercial arrangements. It was like... It, 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 you have it, to be, be really sincere. Really sincere, and you get tested. It, it tests to your there. metal. It tests yeah, your it metal really in ways that uh, other places will not. And mm-hmm. uh, so that that's a whole separate story. But yes, uh, it's uh, you know you're passing through an energy mm-hmm. barrier, and it's as you say when I flew in for the first time from Poland to Bucharest. It was like going into a completely different world. I mean, Poland mm-hmm. is is like the Eastern Bloc, the old Eastern Bloc. Well, that's like very, very much Westernized compared to when you get into into the emptiness of the nighttime of Romania. But it it's a it's a remarkable place, and uh, I can't wait to go back. Oh, one of these days I'm going with you, Peter. <laughs> sure. Easier so, said than uh, done, but I, I hope you can. I, I know, I know. Um, so, okay, well, is there anything else you want to add before you share uh, contact for yourself for the books and how I people have, can I get these I have just books? finished, I have, and I think you've read it, the, the new book, the, the seventh the book, The Etheric Crystal, uh, The yes. Third Tunnel, and you've read that book, and that's now yeah. in on Kindle format. It's not an hard copy. You can go to Kindle and read it. I got it. I got it. 
Yeah. Um, this is for the listeners. The books are really, really, really fascinating. And I just can only imagine, like you were talking about, the skill level you have to have to take so many multidimensional concepts and put it in a understandable and eloquent you know, manner. And I just love that this is coming out at least in some form uh, because this is really, really important knowledge, folks, to empower ourselves and everything. So um, why don't you tell them where you, they can get your books? They can go to skybooksusa.com, skybooksusa.com, skybooksusa.com. You can get them in Amazon. You can get them in ebook form on Kindle, Nook, or iTunes. And uh, I would also encourage people to visit the Time Travel Education Center, which is my website explaining the math and science of time travel uh, in simple language videos you can watch for free at that website. And it was nice to be with you again. Oh, Peter. Thank you so much. You too. You know, uh, folks, we just realized a while back when, we, when we, I connected with Peter that, because uh, I'd been following his stuff for, I don't know, 20, 30 years, that we went to the same college together, but we never met. <laughs> Wait, the same college? <laughs> but, I didn't go to college. UC Davis. You were at UC Davis. I didn't go to that. UC Davis College. I lived there. I went to high school there. Oh, okay. But anyway, I was at I the university. I was there. I was at the university daily. I was at the first whole earth day they had there. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was a place I frequented and I might've seen you when you were young, but uh, no, I didn't go to school. I didn't go to college. Uh, it, it was yeah. not on my agenda. So, uh, but yeah, what years did you go there? 1970 to uh, 74, 1971 to 75 actually. Yeah. You might've seen me in 71 playing yeah, basketball or, or baseball. Uh, but 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 uh, if if you hung out in the gym, uh, you would have seen. Me, I, did. but I didn't see too many women in there. Um, but 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 in any, any case, uh, yeah. So we'll 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 talk about that someday. But uh, yeah. So great we'll great connect, to be with you. We'll connect soon. And thank you so much for coming in and giving, oh, like a, a beautiful rendition of these amazing amazing discoveries that of course should be on mainstream. But art. So, um, and thank you. And I am, uh, would like to let everyone know to join me again in two weeks where you will hear the latest research and validation of the afterlife, living between lives, out of body experiences, and reincarnation by a friend of mine I've known for 40 years who is a media producer and documentary filmmaker, Daniel Drayson. And uh, he is a fascinating being, had many precognitive dreams that uh, stimulated his interest in paranormal phenomena. And he also witnessed a number of UFO sightings. And by the way, um, if you guys want to do this ahead of time, in 2017, Daniel wrote and produced a free documentary. So you can look it up called Calling Earth. And it provides actual examples of afterlife communication via modern electronics. So he will be, um, we will be doing an interview and connection in two weeks. And I thank you again, Peter, uh, so, so much for sharing your wisdom so beautifully. And, okay, and your thank knowledge. you so much. Okay. Okay.
Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.